Start your engines. Oh, this will be good. This is the scrapyard. Welcome again to another run at the scrapyard, the podcast about all Blizzard games and esports. I'm Seamus Byrne, and I have two fab guests joining me from the very top of the show this time around to share in the fun of speculation and prognostication and all those things we like to do before BlizzCon rolls around. So first up, we have the daring deputy editor from Gizmodo Australia and a regular contributor to the Kotaku and Lifehacker side of life, Tegan Jones. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, and we have Fergus Halliday. He's the editor of PC World Australia and Good Gear Guide. Thank you for joining us. Hey, no worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, so in less than 48 hours, we're going to be bathed in the glow of watching BlizzCon through virtual ticket looking glasses or even maybe just tuning into the esports side without having to buy any fancy tickets. Uh, but we did want to just sneak one more show in to throw some final thoughts around before the show gets underway. And then... Look back at how naive we all were come Sunday afternoon. I'm sure that's always the way that these things work out. So I wanted to start with a couple little news nuggets. Now, first up, there's some news around order. Uh, the esports team actually, I, I, I never know how to phrase these things, acquire, uh, brought in, you know, some kind of, uh, yeah, basically they are now making Mad Dogs, who were the team that qualified from Australia for World of Warcraft Arena, into the order organisation. I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts. And Look, and you don't even have to necessarily care that much about WoW Arena. I know it's a very specific taste of eSport for some people. Uh, but is this good for, you know, Mad Dogs, order for WoW Arena in Australia? What do you guys think? I think I think it, it's it's probably a good thing. I think it is like Wow Arena as an esport. I'm not like deep into it, but I I do find it very interesting because it's uh, almost more of a PVE esport than a P- PVP one in some some respects. So I think that uh, them getting picked up by Order is like that's that's probably pretty big for that scene given the prominence of Order in Australian esports at the moment. And considering the amount of money that's going to be injected into Order. <laughs> Yeah, completely. So, um, yeah, for those who haven't, um, you know, been up to date on what Order's been doing, literally uh, last last week they kicked off uh, a, a crowdfunding program, um, but it's like this fancy new official uh, ASIC-backed equity crowdfunding system. So you can throw in your money, you get all those classic reward ideas like you get from, uh, you know, from other crowdfunding type things, but you also actually get a piece of the company uh, and get your stake in what is kind of fast becoming, yeah, uh, Australia's probably, uh, like biggest is always tricky, but uh, it's definitely becoming one of Australia's hottest uh, esports brands, uh, if, if also uh, one of the youngest. Yeah, I mean, I really want to know what that's going to look like from, uh, I guess, coming at it from more of a traditional equity background. What does a stake in that in order look like when you know you're using crowdfunding the platform looks a little bit fancier than the likes of kickstarter but at least so far what you see from the perks are pretty standard there's a lot of merch if you drop ten thousand dollars you get like an hour training session with um one of the lads so i really want to know what the rot or return on investment is actually um uh, roi sorry uh is going to be on that it's really interesting. Yeah, and look, I, I did. Uh, I wrote a piece about this for the AFR, and one of the things I noticed 
inside the you know the the fine print is that it basically explains that they are what they've done is issue like a couple of hundred thousand shares at one dollar and something cents per share. Seventy-four cents, I think. So yeah. Yeah, one dollar seventy-four. So that yeah, it, it does seem like at the very least there is that very clear classical kind of share issue vibe uh, underlying the whole thing, which does you know at the very least you know my I. I can't say I'd be all that excited about, you know, throwing in that much money for a training session with a team. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, since it is the, the first um, sort of esports group to do this, um, there's always going to be teething issues and it's always going to be interesting to see how it goes moving forward. But, you know, it's just such a different platform to something like a Blue Chili where they would, you know, invest in things just even on the, the platform that is allowing them to do this. It says that you know, you've got to be warned that you might not be able to get liquid from your shares. There's no guarantee you'll be able to share, uh, sell them. So I'm really interested to see how this actually works out and what investors get. Yeah, and I, I did like a point they made where in some respects they see it as a way to, uh, yeah, it's almost it's almost like a membership system for fans uh, as a kind of a crowdfunding concept that it's like, all right, if you like this team, then, you know, why not think of us like you're paying a, you know, a club membership fee type thing to support the team. And for them that in that process, in some ways, it strengthens that like bond that certain fans will have to the club because they'll be like, I really want this club to succeed. (laughs) But isn't that just Patreon in a lot of ways though, with saying that you also own it, but doesn't really say how you own it? Um, I mean, I guess with Patreon, yeah, let's say two years down the track, that thing you've been supporting becomes like, you know, a mega international business. Uh, I guess you, you only ever end up with the warm, fuzzy feeling of... It's kind of an populous situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, I, and I haven't deep dived into this, so there might very well be an answer to it. I just, I just question if somewhere in the fine print it actually says that, you know, if they are successful, I'm sure there's a huge if on it and they're not guaranteeing anything, what you get in terms of, you know percentage and you know all that kind of stuff um you know especially you know if you aren't able to sell your shares i'm sure you will but yes i'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out yeah i think that would be the scary bit is if one day you know that it does succeed but somehow the the detail means that you get nothing yeah (laughs) yeah uh probably worth just jumping in the rundown of actually what the different uh aussie BlizzCon eSport events are going to be through the weekend. Um, you know, I mentioned there that you know, Mad Dogs were the uh, arena team, but there has actually already been some WoW Arena uh, through the last few days. There's always, uh, for you know, particular ones of, this, of the eSports, they need to get you know, a bunch of the kind of preliminary uh, battles out of the way so that the weekend is then just focused on you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals type, type stuff. Uh, and Mad Dogs did actually lose in their WoW Arena run, so they're now in, but it's the whole... Um, uh, upper bracket, lower bracket system. So it means that, you know, from here on out, they, they fight their way through in a uh, sudden death uh, environment. So they'll be playing again, uh, I think, sometime on Saturday. I noticed for certain sports, uh, they've got a really good, clear system of exactly when the matches are, get, are expected to start. And then other ones where they're like, yeah, it'll, it'll happen sometime between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, yeah, good luck tuning in for that. Uh, but I, I, actually, one more point on the Wow Ringer thing. I did actually watch a little bit the other day. I didn't catch Mad Dog's match, but I did watch a bit. And I left it on for probably the longest amount of time I've ever left on Arena. And it was it was also then that first time of 
of watching along and going, I'm starting to get it now. You know, like that it, it, it did become that. And like so many other things where once you really give it a chance and just sit back and let it kind of wash over you for a while, you start to then tune into, oh, okay, this is exactly what's happening. Uh, you know, these are the key moments that I'm watching for when the battle is taking place, all that sort of stuff. So there's there's always that uh, that side of trying to tune your brain into any eSport that you might never have watched before. But look, I think, uh, yeah, the rundown. So probably the biggest thing that most people are uh, super psyched for is going to be Overwatch. Uh, the Aussies will be uh, clearly pulling off the upset of the tournament when we face South Korea at 12.15pm on Saturday. Uh, you guys planning on tuning in for that one? I'm absolutely going to tune in. And look, I've, I've, run, I've run the numbers in my head. I think that the most appropriate and Australian way forward is for us to be the first team to ever defeat South Korea and then immediately be crushed by whoever we face after <laughs> South Korea. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, everyone's expecting us to lose. This is the way to get there. Yeah, um, I think I am going to uh, tune in. I don't watch, like, a heap of eSports. I play Overwatch several hours every night, uh, more than I should, actually. Um, but I just, I know I really haven't gotten into the rhythm of sitting down and watching. But when I have, I really enjoy it. So I think maybe this weekend is the time for me to really give it a crack. I, I do get the feeling as well that if, you know, that big if over if someone could possibly beat South Korea, there is that element of, you know, the first match of the, like the first match that they play in the tournament is uh, sometimes that's that right moment where, you know, they haven't necessarily gotten into their rhythm of destroying everybody just yet. And maybe there's that window of, of surprising them and uh, yeah, and coming up with it. So, you know, if you're going to get stuck uh, playing, look, Clearly, if we could have picked any of the other seven teams, uh, <laughs> we would have. <laughs> um, but you know, I, uh, we'll, we'll throw all our all our hopes and dreams behind them, and um, yeah, see if. Yeah, I was just going to say it's it's also just a really it, like obviously playing against South Korea is not ideal, but it is a really good opportunity for the Australian players uh, in in our Australia team, Australia Overwatch team. Given the expansion in the Overwatch League at the moment, it's a potentially a really good opportunity for them to. Uh, show off what they're capable of and be noticed by the scouts who are trying to fill those new rosters on Toronto and Vancouver and all those other places. That's a really good point. Yeah, if you know, if we faced France or somebody else mm. uh, in that first phase and then you know didn't do all that great, uh, yeah, there'd probably be plenty of question marks. Whereas you're right, if, if someone can pull off a few clutch plays, then that that would get noticed given that they're, who they're playing. Yeah, um, I believe the Sydney Dropper's Color Hex got uh, picked up at Boston Uprising this week as well. So, yeah, yeah good moves hopefully coming out of this. That's the kind of the main thing. And then, yeah, that's the main Aussie sort of uh, moment in the show that we've got the WoW Arena, who will now be called Order, um, in the loser's bracket. That'll start Saturday and that'll, I guess, run a bit deeper in the day. Um, so that you won't have to get up at 5 a.m. for that. And then on Sunday, there is the uh, the Mythic Dungeon Invitational, uh, and that's where there is another order team playing uh, in that Mythic Dungeon Invitational, and that all happens on Sunday. Uh, in Heroes of the Storm, Mind Freaks was already knocked out during the preliminary phase, unfortunately, so, you know, that was kind of sad for them that they didn't get to play on the big stage. Um, and... 
which kind of leaves us with that main other option of now adopting the New Zealand team uh, during the Hearthstone Global Games. Uh, are you, uh, do, you, do you feel like uh, that's the path you guys are going to go down? I'm a little bit out of date on Hearthstone, so I will probably not watch it. But if if I, I could definitely see the see the reasonableness of adopting Team New Zealand. I mean, a, it's a great Australian yeah. way, again, yeah. isn't it? We take everything that's good from New Zealand and whack an Aussie flag on it. It's like crowded house, so why not? Bad people. And the better they do, the more Australian that they become. I mean, that's exactly absolutely. Exactly. Well, yeah, the pride of the antipodes. I think that's what we can kind of start to, you know, embrace that idea that we're we're a collective group down here uh, when when the other guys are doing well. Hmm. And then the other big one in the esports is the StarCraft Two. Yeah, almost in a similar vein to New Zealand in that this year, um, when I talked to uh, Pig a couple of weeks ago, he pointed out that Serral, who is this Finnish um, player, is has been dominant all year. And this might be the first ever time that a non-Korean wins the StarCraft Two World Championship. So I think uh, that is kind of crucial for you know the entire existence of the human race outside South Korea um, that that he carries through and, and wins and does not choke. Yeah, that um, that's actually been a really interesting trend in, I guess, esports broader this year. Uh, in that you've got uh, obviously that's raw stuff. You've got in worlds uh, for League of Legends. I don't think any South Korean teams made it to the finals this year. Uh, and then in the Overwatch space, South Korea did win last year, but the competition is being much much closer than it was last year. Yeah, look, it's a good point, and I think we even started to see through that first season of Overwatch League that. Uh, you know that, and it, you know, as much as there were a whole bunch of South Korean rosters, that uh, that just that whole environment of things being elevated to that sort of level meant we started to see a lot of different teams with a lot of different you know players from Europe and from America, um, and obviously Custer from Australia. That they were really starting to show that that kind of rhythm of training and bringing in all the kind of you know sports psychology and all those kinds of elements actually seemed to to elevate it. Yeah, I feel like definitely the mixed nationalities on the Overwatch League teams have definitely just helped raise other regions up. So uh, have you also heard about the BlizzCon viewing party that's happening at Hoyt's Esports Arena? I have. Yeah, as have I. Um, And I I think we're going to be asking, like, who's going to go to something that early? I think people will. You're right. I I think there are... Because in the end, well, I'm going to get up very early and and my kids, you know, they want me to wake them up at a quarter to five in the morning, <laughs> which is incredible on Saturday morning for, for my tween age children. Um, but yeah, they're, they're psyched for it, but it means I'll have someone to watch it with, you know, and there is that element to it, isn't it? That you, you, there's one thing to just kind of sit there and slowly absorb the news. It is another thing to, to hang out with a bunch of other people when brand new stuff is happening. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, people do it for um, your regular traditional sports as well. They'll get up for the World Cup and not always to stay at home in their pyjamas. Um, same things like Eurovision. You know, there is that sense of community. And, you know, even if you have to get up at an ungodly hour, at least you're doing it together and you can probably do a Macca's run on the way. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, see, now I want to do it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing I noticed is, because it's happening so the hoist esports arena i'm there's there's really only one um so far and that's out at uh the entertainment quarter in park in sydney but they uh that afternoon the gfinity season two is also going to get uh kick off uh if uh, yeah which is where people play uh three different matches i think counter strike is saturday afternoons 
Um, but that's kind of cool if you if you went out there and really made a day of it, where you would get to watch that uh, the Australians and Koreans at around that you know twelve fifteen sort of window, which would then I think three pm I think is when. Uh, the Gfinity stuff uh, kicks off in the afternoon. So you really would be able to, like, or even if you didn't get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, you could go out there, have a kind of a good session watching some of the, the stuff on the screen, and then, yeah, stick around and, and catch a whole bunch of other cool esports stuff. And, I mean, if you do go there for the 5 a.m. session, I'm pretty sure that's where Gfinity's sponsor, uh, Dare Ice Coffee, would come in going, hey, guys, you want to hang around? We've got you sorted. Oh, that would be so nice, actually, if they turned up and looked after everybody in that, in that first yeah. part of the morning. It would be lovely and also just a really smart marketing move as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, completely. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, look, uh, yeah, total uh, detour, but uh, like, I loved the way that they... They got playfully integrated into everything in that first season. <laughs> I think they had that shoey that happened. Oh, on the, the final. Sh- <laughs> a milky <laughs> shoey. Yes. What's better? <laughs> good, good for the It's like in a world that is so dominated by all the kind of uh, energy drinks, it mm. was such a way to go. You know what? Actually, you know, a coffee is also an energy drink. Let's let's you know, let's just get that into your system rather than whatever other crazy random sugars uh, are going on and all those other things. So, that was, yeah. That was- Absolutely. And, I mean, and this is exactly how uh, this episode of the podcast is going to get named Milky Shoey. So, uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> so, look, I think, you know, enough detours along the, yeah, just the random news bullets. Uh, I'm really keen to now get into a bit of uh, the speculation for what we're expecting. You know, it really is going to be, uh, you know, not not too far now, 36, uh, you know, okay, no, it's maybe slightly more than that. Um, but, yeah, what are you guys kind of keen on out of BlizzCon and what are your crazy predictions? Let's just start with what you're excited for that we, we know is going to happen before we start getting, um, just making things up as we go along. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm excited for whatever the Diablo news is. Um, you know, is it, I, it's not going to be Diablo 4, but um, I love Diablo, so I'm excited to see what they've got. Um, I don't think that it will be unsubstantial because the fact that there's been rumours for ages that they're flying international media out for this as well, which doesn't always happen. So I think there's going to be something good there. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in the Diablo stuff as well. Diablo, I think, was one of the first Blizzard franchises I ever played. Uh, and so, like... I was a massive fan of Diablo 1, massive fan of Diablo 2, and I, like, Diablo 3 is, it's, I, for me, it's basically, like, the gold standard of modern action RPGs. Uh, so I'm very curious and skeptical about where the franchise will go next. I would I would ideally hope that they will do something radical with it. Yeah. Um, because if, if you just make another Diablo 3, I don't know how keen I am on that, but if you change it up in a meaningful way, uh, I would definitely be super excited to come back to the franchise in Diablo 4. Definitely. Yeah, it always hits me with Diablo. You know, it's like if there's two touch points that I'm curious to see how they you know, integrate, it's going to, and that feeling of at this point in how everything works in games, you know, it must be what they'd be aiming for, which is, you know, one, the new version of Diablo that is just the eternal ongoing version of Diablo. Um, you know, that it just gets content updates and there are you know systems in place so that people can pay on a semi-regular basis to get extra things and therefore you know they get their ongoing revenue streams out of providing kind of different kinds of content updates um but then 
you know, the other is around, you know, would they be pursuing some sort of, uh, you know, esports angle on, you know, Keystone Dungeons or, you know, whatever the kinds of different, mm. um, you know, systems that they have in place, like racing type systems or, you know, would they try to work out how do we create a thing that, that is broadcastable and, you know, and therefore, you know, then every game uh, will have, you know, those kinds of angles covered off uh, for the long term. I mean, you know, even with StarCraft 2, it wasn't designed that way, but, you know, they get those, what do you call it, the, um, um, the co-op commanders and things like mm-hmm. that to kind of release on a semi-regular basis. So they found those kind of avenues to, to keep it ticking along. But, you know, Diablo, you know, with the introduction of Seasons, it's sort of got a, a bit of an angle there, but... But that's not something that anybody, you know, ever needs to, to drop money on. You are, once you own the game, that's it. You own the game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, it's Blizzard, right? Any genre that they decide to touch usually turns to gold. Uh, you know, look at like Overwatch and pretty much everything they've done. And so, my crazy prediction that won't happen, but if it does, is uh, is a Diablo battle royale. That would be amazing. That's my stupid prediction. Uh, just because I want it. Because it'd be funny. Yeah, I, I, yeah, oh, I was just gonna say, I am. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too surprised if they played into that and maybe yeah. had like a sort of similar to how Bethesda at E three had their Skyrim on Alexa demo, just sort of like <laughs> a joke announcement almost thrown in there for good measure. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Like uh, Diablo is such an interesting franchise, and if they kept making expansions for Diablo three, I would continue to buy them, and yeah. I would. Be, I could basically play that game forever. Um, but so the thing I would most be interested to see them do is like give me more of the Diablo universe, but do it in a different way, like a turn-based XCOM-style tactics game, for example, or even go back to Blizzard's Roots as a company that makes RTS games. We haven't had a proper like RTS Warcraft in decades. Uh, it would be really cool to see them go back to that genre, but do it with the Diablo universe. There's lots of interesting applications for the universe, rather than just the yeah. Warcraft Three remaster that's also being rumored. Uh-huh. I could play that game too forever. Oh yeah, I'd play it forever. Yeah. Absolutely. I would even, I would even played the um uh those like the you know the custom maps that you know, I'm hitting stuff on the table. Um I would yeah. play all of the custom maps, all of um oh gosh, I've forgotten what it's called when Tower Defense? Yes, Tower Defense, yeah. thank you. Um that was pretty much my favorite part of that game and that's not even the best part of that game. It was Blizzard, amazing. Blizzard make good forever games. Yeah, they really do. Um but yeah, it's in an age of like live service games and like early access and stuff, I I am really interested to see what a new Diablo game looks like. Yeah, like I, I I'm really kind of bullish about the idea that we're going to f- see their first mobile projects revealed. You know, because they've had this incubator off on the side, um, in a bunch of kind of super senior, um, old school Blizzard talent who've been working on these secret projects. Um, and then some of those people are sort of filtering back out into other teams and things. So I feel like maybe, you know, they've hit the end of a first wave of, all right, we've decided we're going to do, you know, this or maybe, you know, this and this. Uh, and then they maybe we'll get that first taste. And I feel like Diablo does have that mobile potential, um, you know, as in, because you've seen other action RPGs on phones and iPads and things, but uh, that's kind of where I'm hanging my hat is on, on the idea that, that maybe we're going to see some kind of a, a mobile uh, spin on on the action RPG experience straight up. So Diablo Puzzle Quest confirmed. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> oh my god! Would play, <laughs> would play. We, we, we joke, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, every time I try to think of something crazy, I can't help but stop at that moment again. Actually, yeah. I, 
the first three minutes I'd be going, really, I'm sceptical. And then and then you'd touch it and go, oh, Blizzard's done it again, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> like, Blizzard. Blizzard. yeah. I would love to see uh, a mobile or tablet StarCraft as well. Oh, that my God, another, yes. another potential way they could go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Completely, yeah. Maybe that's where we get the ghost game finally, uh, <laughs> you know, is... Overwatch, we've oh. been told that there is no... No new map. Yeah, yeah, no. no map. They have been forced more than once this time around to come out and just try to try to calm us down. But, uh, like, to the degree where, uh, you know, we've been told from so many angles to, like, just, you know, calm our heels that I'm like, there has to be something lurking behind it all that means that, you know, otherwise... Otherwise, it, maybe it's going to be a really boring BlizzCon if there's no secret <laughs> kind of cool thing. Everyone's told us, no, just go and calm down. Um, but no, Matt, but yeah, do you think we're going to see anything else out of Overwatch that might surprise us? I mean, sorry, Berg, um, I was going to say, I mean, I always hope for a new hero, especially because it's been, what, July since Hammond dropped. You know, before that, we had Brigida and Moro, who were both support characters. Like, the last big damage dealer that we've had who was new was Doomfist, which is about a year ago. So I think it's time for a new damage dealer. But usually we'd hear more whispers about it leading up to something like this before the news drops. So I don't know. Yeah, you're right. They often do little kind of weird teasers in game. Um, yeah, oh, there has been. Oh, has there? Have yeah. I missed something? Uh, on Route 66, the payload oh, yeah. is now missing. Oh yes, I completely forgot about that. See, yeah. see, maybe it, maybe it is legit. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm expecting a new hero. Uh, I would really like, but I'm skeptical that they will have a new cinematic so soon after the Diva one because those are just mm. incredible. Um, but I think broadly, with regards to Overwatch, the thing that Blizzard kind of needs to accomplish with this BlizzCon is to kind of uh, set the tone or give people a di- sense of direction about where the long-term ambitions of the game lie. Like, I believe they've spoken about taking people off the seasonal events teams, uh, which means that they're presumably working on some other component to the game Uh and unless they're going to like announce and release Overwatch 2 next year, if pe- they expect them to keep putting money in and time in into Overwatch itself, uh, just, like I want like a big Marvel, like the next five years, like yeah, totally. timeline of what's coming to this game. Why should I keep playing it? Um, that, that's what I think would be really cool. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I, there's so much potential here, and you know, the fact that it took off as an eSport so quickly. I mean, at IEM in Gyeonggi only two years ago, the game had been out for about six months, and they decided to add it to the roster super late. So there's been that investment in it so early that um, it's gotten great momentum, but I do want to see where it's going. And, you know, you can't just keep adding characters and adding characters and adding characters, especially when it comes to um, playing competitively. So uh, I think i would be great. Yeah, uh, like I remember hearing at one point uh, that there was a discussion about removing characters from the roster over time, you know, that when when they get to a certain point that they might actually decide, you know, and whether that is through sort of story-type evolution that, that people die in the game and therefore, you know, a character gets dropped out of roster or, you know, something along those lines happens. Um, but you're right, we definitely need to sort of get a taste of, What's the what's the longer term shakeup? And you know, Fergie mentioned uh, season. Uh, sorry, uh, season two, uh, Overwatch uh, two. 
Uh, do you like? Do you think that that's going to be one of the, the strategies that they take at some point? Is try to sell us, you know, a, a second, a sequel game, uh, or is you know, is it going to be, you know, the current base game and then it just evolves in different ways? Um, I I would hope that they don't sell try and sell Overwatch two and have sort of a Destiny two type situation here, but it really depends on how they've designed the game and on a technical level whether the current engine allows them to do the things that they want to do with it both from a everyday user perspective and on the pro scene level. Uh, so, like, there's lots of stuff. Like, they're finally adding that spectator mode, which is good. There's, if there's additional tools in that space that they really want to implement that can't necessarily do it on a technical level with the way the game's currently set up, I can see that being a motivation for them to attempt to potentially move to an Overwatch 2. But I would much rather they continue to uh, build on this awesome game they already have. Um, yeah. That's why I would I would rather they do it, but I but at the same time, like they're they're a business. They 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 want to sell you something in the future uh, that isn't just loot boxes. Yeah, sure. So. But I also feel like they can't completely piss off their entire audience. So like even taking the pro scene out of it, just the people who play every day, like myself, like two or three hours a day, I'd be pretty annoyed if I had to start again an entirely different game. Even just the stupid things like cosmetics, like mm. whether you've bought loot boxes or if you've ground to you know really trick out your character or the characters that you love in a certain way i feel like they would really alienate their audience if suddenly there's this new game and they didn't at least provide a way to bring all of that stuff over as well yeah that's a really good point that if if it was a game that didn't already have a lot of you know genuine audience actual money investment in all the skins and things like that then uh you think you know maybe because it's not the kind of game that has you know, your character doesn't level up in the in you know like in other things but you your player uh you know player profile levels up um and so it does mean that there is an investment that people feel there even just from having played a lot even if they've never bought the loot boxes um you know they've got their rankings they've got all their unlocked achievements and sprays and all that sort of stuff and it would feel yeah you'd feel pretty burnt if, if you're sent back to square one um because they decide they want to sell you another box to copy absolutely uh, i don't want to years. lose my stars seamus don't take my stars <laughs> Yeah, I look. I don't even have my first star yet, so you know, I'm just, uh, I'm clearly a filthy casual. Uh, <laughs> any other cool things that you guys feel like are uh, lurking out there on the horizon for this weekend? Um, I don't know. BlizzCon's a very unique event in that they actually have a lot of like dev-facing panels, which are always very interesting to watch, and you just get a lot of insight into, I guess, the way that they approach their games and how they're how they're looking to build them. Um, so, I, like, if some if you're a person who is not tuned in to watch the like the full BlizzCon stream before, I would really recommend giving it a go. Um, I remember ages ago, I would just religiously watch every single World of Warcraft panel because I needed to know I needed to know every detail. Um, and I don't necessarily do that anymore, but it's a really interesting like use of time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've also sort of seen around the web some whispers about some StarCraft 2 stuff might be happening, but maybe more so in the realms of Heroes of the Storm. So that'd be interesting. Um, otherwise, crazy prediction number two, maybe StarCraft 3. Maybe, maybe, no, no, that's not going to happen. But that would be <laughs> <laughs> After the Western Crypt 2 ended, and how long it took to come out. Uh, but let's not get into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe there'll be something there. Some crossovers, perhaps. Switch games? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, more than just, uh, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting how, because what I think, it lo- yeah, that's right, it launches on the second day of BlizzCon is uh, Diablo 3 mm. on Switch. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll, 
watch their numbers very closely to see uh, if it's worth trying to yeah spin anything else out onto onto the switch. You could play Overwatch. What? It would be it would be a nightmare on oh, the switch. God. But you could play Overwatch on the switch. Oh God, no! <laughs> Do you are you a PC or a casual? Uh, not a casual. Oh my God! Okay. <laughs> you can be here first. I'll um, cut that out, please. Oh, I'm uh, in Australia. Call uh, it <laughs> all console players are casual. To play Overwatch on a uh, Xbox One Four. By chance or PlayStation? I actually started on PlayStation, uh, if, we, if we're being honest. And so I played, you know, I liked it. And the reason being is that I went from growing up as a, a console gamer to, you know, building my first PC when I was a teenager and only my PC and then didn't have one for ages. So I went back to console. Um, and so when it came to Overwatch, that's what I played on for a really, really long time. And then I was tempted back to, to PC and I had to grind for everything again. So... Now I'm a PC girl. What about you, Seamus? Uh, yeah, I've always been PC for all things Blizzard. Yeah, I've never never consoled any of them. I don't like even going way back. No, yeah, it's always been PC all the time. Yeah, I, I'm a PC person, uh, and I just I just can't get over. It. I think it was last year at some point I was reviewing a gaming laptop, and uh, I was staying at my girlfriend's house, and we wanted to play Overwatch together. And so I plugged in an Xbox controller to the PC and attempted to play as just play with my normal gaming group. And it was just a, like a shock and a nightmare just how that controls them. You know what? Controller. You know what? I will be completely honest. There are certain characters on PC that I still play with a controller. Really? To this day. And I am in your groups playing competitive wow. with you. Wow. Uh, I play mostly with a controller because it's easier uh, for me. Um, only because I came over. So it's just a matter of what I'm comfortable with. So I guess I'm a half casual, uh, according to Fergus. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I suppose one other thing that might be interesting is uh, I believe Mike Morhaime stepped down per, like last month, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yep. There'll probably be something in the opening ceremony uh, around that, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I, uh, I think someone pointed out that actually on the PTR version of Blizz. Uh, Blizzard World at the moment, there is, uh, if you go hunting for it, apparently there is like a Mike Morheim tribute in, in like the Blizzard Ooh. timeline um, uh, in, in one of the kind of weird arcade areas or museum areas. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of nice. But yeah, it would be nice to make sure that it, it isn't just like the, and now he's just disappeared off into the sunset. And it, it is different to when Chris Metzen left a few years ago. You know, he left on a lot of sort of mental health type grounds and and just yeah burnt out and yeah and he completely left the company whereas um yeah for Morheim he's staying around as an advisor in certain respects so you know he's still very much attached to the company in a different way so hopefully uh yeah hopefully they do something nice because I imagine like the crowd would go nuts if he turns up to kind of say goodbye I think that would be a really nice a nice thing to do um, but yeah, I think probably the only other thing that leaps to my mind is you know Heroes of the Storm in that they've been playing with all these weird story lore type things around the Raven Lord and uh, trying to yeah, build to this point where the game kind of gets its own lore as much as it's attached to every single Blizzard game ever. Uh, so yeah, it feels like it'll be really interesting to see if they try to throw something else out there at BlizzCon to to evolve uh, that that idea even more, maybe the first ever character that isn't from a different game, but that is in fact you know a character introduced that is purely attached to the whole kind of Nexus Heroes of the Storm 
story threads. Yeah, I actually think that the way that uh, Heroes has evolved over the last year or so has been really, really interesting to watch. I'm not uh, as active of a player as I was in the earlier uh, days of the game, but it's been just super interesting to see it evolve from like Blizzard All Stars. Uh, it, it was Blizzard All Stars originally, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, Such a bad name. Yeah, uh, into like having just this incredible roster of characters that kind of break the conventions and rules of what you can and or can't do in a MOBA. Uh, to now growing into its to, into kind of its own thing, which has its own lore and villains and heroes and story, and it's really really interesting what they're doing with that game. Yeah, but look, I think um, yeah, I'm just making sure I catch some sleep on um, the next two nights <laughs> before I get up super early. Um, any other strategies or tips for people? I know oh, the one other thing I did want to point out actually is that they have for the first time released. Uh, like they've improved the ways in which you can tune in. So before when they had the mobile app, it was actually a bit rubbish. You could like, I remember forcing it to install on an iPad and, and it still was one of those weird apps that, that is then like going, well, fine, but I'm just being a phone on your iPad. Um, it just refused to be a nice tablet app. Uh, I think they've upgraded all that stuff. They've released an Apple TV version of the app. I think it's set up so you can Chromecast it and all this sort of stuff. So you, you can so much more easily now put all things BlizzCon onto whatever screen you want to put it on, which I think is, yeah, it, it, it's a big improvement. And then they'll be obviously streaming all the esports stuff on all the places that you'd normally watch esports. Yeah, it's going to be a very cool weekend, definitely. So, look, I'll thank you both so much for your time. Um, Tegan, where should people catch up with you? Uh, sure. So uh, I'm uh, well. I'm deputy editor of Gizmo, so you can find my writing there. But uh, on social, I'm just Tegan underscore writes pretty much everywhere. Awesome. And Fergus, how about you? Hey, uh, my work is up on PC World Australia, which is pcworld.com.au. And you can find me on Twitter at cvamped, which is C-V-A-M-P-E-D. Awesome. Thank you again, guys. And really great to have you. Thanks right, for having for us. Fairness. Thanks for joining us again on The Scrapyard. I'm Seamus Byrne. Have a spectacular BlizzCon weekend. Enjoy it, and we will catch up again on the other side. (laughs) 